This month saw the return of one of the most significant property law cases of recent years, S. Francis Limited versus the Cavendish Hotel London Limited, which many listening will instantly associate with ground F opposition of renewal of a commercial lease under the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954. But the latest decision in the long running litigation may well go down in legal history in its potentially major implications in terms of recognising the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on rent levels. Joining me to discuss the latest developments are Joanne Wicks QC, barrister at Wilberforce Chambers, and David Cooper of David Cooper & Co, who acted for the claimant tenant, textile dealership S. Francis. It's great to speak to you both. Really nice to be here, Jess. Thanks. Yeah, cheers. Now, Joanne, this is not the first time we have discussed S. Francis. Uh, the Supreme Court decision in late 2018 was already the subject of an on-the-case episode. So would you be able to offer listeners a brief reminder of the road so far and where things left off after the much-discussed ruling of the Supreme Court? Yes, absolutely. So um, S. Francis, as you've already explained, Jess, is a, um, a specialist in antique tapestries and textile art, and it has premises um, on German Street, 80 German Street, uh, which is part of the St James's Art District and obviously German Street very well known for its menswear retailers as well. And it had long leases of two, we call them holdings, under the 1954 Act, which expired in January 2016. And in advance of that, the tenant applied for a new tenancy under the 1954 Act, uh, which the landlord resisted on the basis of Ground F. And it put together a well, a completely artificial scheme of works, essentially, that had no use to it, simply for the purpose of getting the tenant out. And David and I had a, a trial of the ground F, uh, ground of opposition, right back in January 2017. Uh, and the judge there held, yes, that op ground of opposition was made out, but um, we appealed it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, that wasn't good enough, because essentially the um, statutory requirement underground F is for the landlord's intention to be unconditional and here the landlord only intended to carry out these works if it was necessary to do that in order to satisfy ground F so it wouldn't have done those works if the tenant had left voluntarily for example so that's really what the Supreme Court decided and um, that set the scene really for coming back to the county court to work out what the terms of the new leases would be, uh, which is which is round two, which we've been dealing with. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll perhaps return to the, the implications of that that landmark decision a bit later in our discussion. But uh, yeah, to concentrate on the on the latest uh, updates, can you sort of outline what happened um, in the months since that decision and the issue that was left to be resolved by Central London County Court in this new decision? Well, as many people who've been involved in litigation will know, the courts can grind exceedingly slowly. So <laughs> after we got judgment um, in the Supreme Court uh, at the back end of 2018, uh, it took some considerable time actually to get things kick-started uh, back in the county court at central London. And we then had to go through the usual processes of litigation of this nature um, uh, identifying uh, what the issues between the landlord and tenant were as regards what the terms of the new tenancies should be, what the rent for them should be, 
and what the interim rent should be. That's the mm -hmm. money which is payable from the end of the contractual term uh, of the previous leases. And all of those things were contentious and involved um, an exchange of uh, drafts of leases, exchange of expert evidence, um, uh, so as to get ready for a trial on the, on the things that couldn't be agreed. We did make some progress, didn't we, David, in, in agreeing some of the... Yes, we, we, we made a little progress, but it, it was pretty hard work, um, as it was to get to the Supreme Court and get a decision. The, 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 the parties really didn't see I'd eat them, let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, we got there and uh, we got to the court and we were left with only really those four issues, major issues they were, but we were left with four at the end. Yeah, I imagine doing this all against the backdrop of the developing pandemic didn't make life any easier either. No, it, it didn't make it any easier because the client had had COVID and uh, was pretty ill with it. His wife was even worse. So uh, they caught this at Maastricht the previous year. So it, it was jolly difficult getting instructions. And obviously without meeting, it was even more difficult. To, uh, mm. But, you know, uh, I could say that Joe and I work as a team, and I, I, I think that got over most of the hurdles, didn't it, um, at the end of the day. So, so we got there. So bringing us fully up to date, what did the county court decide and, and how did it go about that task? So it had to decide some issues, as David's indicated, on the uh, provisions to go into the, to the new leases. There was some uh, agreement reached during the course of the trial, so there were just a few left by, by the end for the court to decide. And indeed, the most contentious one had been conceded. That was about the terms of the rent review provisions in the lease, which would have had a big financial impact. But that was resolved. You ended up with a 15-year with a lease with a five-year rent review, is that right? That's right. But that had been agreed before we went to trial. We yeah. didn't need to ask the judge to order 15-year terms that mm -hmm. had been agreed, as had the upwards-only rent review cycle every five years. What wasn't agreed was the actual words for the rent review, because mm -hmm. this area is a special planning area, which between Simon Francis and myself, and with some help from the Crown Estate, we managed to get into uh, this SPA area through Westminster City Council, which means that it's restricted A1 use. It's not open A1 use. And of course, the argument was on the hypothesis of, on the rent review that this should be open A1. And th there was a major argument about that, but they gave in at the end and uh, that, that was a big point. So it was based as it should be on what the planning position was and not on a hypothesis of what they would have liked it to be. Of course, that reduced it again on the rent review. And then the other two areas that really formed the major battleground of the trial this time round were the amount of rent to be paid and the amount of interim rent. And those both, both turned heavily on the expert evidence that was given. Mm -hmm. And the, the final sums that were arrived at? So um, the total rent for the two uh, sets of premises was £102,000 per annum, which compares with £220,000 per annum for the passing rent under the old tenancies. Mm -hmm. And the interim rent, which is payable from 
January 2016 was £160,000. So obviously both of those sums considerably lower than than the former rent and, and this is uh, really the first major steer we've had from the courts in a, a decision of this kind on on assessing the in, impact of the pandemic on rent levels in the West End, isn't it? Yes, and it's actually more important than that because the rent of 220000 was fixed in 2011. And of course, mm-hmm. we've had substantial inflation since then. And the figure of 102000 that the judge came in favour of was vastly closer to our expert than their expert at the end of the day. Now, even if you took the flat figures, 102,000 was against 220 is a pretty massive reduction. But when you bear in mind that the 220 was set in 2011 Mm. and we've had major inflation since then, it's even a bigger reduction. Now, I imagine that the decision won't exactly be welcomed by other landlords in the area and and perhaps throughout the city. So what impact do you think this decision will have on lease renewal negotiations? Well, considerable. Of course, (laughs) it it will start off with the landlords saying, as they already are saying, that this is based on the particular facts of this particular Mm. case at this particular moment in time. But what one's got to realise is that the rent of 102,000, when it starts in October of this year, end of September this year, will go for five years. And that is what the judge believes, having listened to all the evidence, is the likely result for the next five year period. So what one has to extrapolate from there and. It needs to be said that the rents were already dropping in this particular area pre the pandemic. And there were empty units at that period of time. Of course, the pandemic made it worse because a lot of these uh, shops there are high value items Mm. where people want to see them. There's no international travel. And so Francis was particularly hit by it particularly hit by it but so were many others as as well and my view is that it's going to be used up and down it, it's probably very much london based if i can put it that way but it's going to be used up and down the whole of the west end and the argument's going to go on for a long period of time the landlords of course are extremely uh, cautious about not losing their yields and not losing their reversionary value and not having the auditors you know banging on their door on the balance sheets and so on and so forth so no doubt they'll resist it and uh, but i wouldn't you know it's not a tenant's charter it's in my view a realistic charter mm. it's what it ought to be um and and, and that's the view that the judge came to and I, I think on balance i mean he didn't agree with everything we said and he certainly didn't agree with everything our witness said either but <laughs> he, he i thought it was a balanced judgment i don't know what you thought joe but um i i, I thought it was probably right yes yeah, yeah, so obviously having argued the case it's very difficult to um to, to, to disagree with the outcome isn't it <laughs> you know, i was thinking about whether or not the rent should have been lower on the interim rent should have been, uh, you know, lower. I, mean, I think he probably found a proper balance. That's what I'm saying. We're all anticipating that there'll be uh, considerable 
litigation between landlords and, and tenants arising out of the very difficult um, situation over the last uh, 16 well, months. And uh, I, it, it seems that, you know, um, this type of case, uh, there, there could be quite a lot of quite a lot more disputes going to court than would ordinarily be the case. Well, one would hope not, because one would hope this, first of all, as I understand it, there is a review of the 1954 Landlord and Tenant Act coming about Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the year. That's what I'm told by the powers that be, and I presume that we'll see another bill come out. Second of all, of course, because of this eviction thing being postponed till March 2022, we do need a different formula. You know, it's out of date. The whole process is out of date. If it ever applied to the West End, then it certainly hasn't for the last 30 to 40 years. And it's got to be put on a much more balanced basis. At the moment, I see war between the landlord and tenants on a basically uh, on on virtually each and every case. And that's sad, really, because... um, both of them have a a right to do the proper thing. And it's very difficult getting that balance right. The pandemic's mm. made it tremendously worse, of course. And, you know, most of the landlords are OK. Some of them are dreadful. Most of the tenants are probably OK. Some of them have taken complete advantage of the situation. And one has to face that reality, I'm afraid. Um is there going to be more work for Joanne and I? I suspect so. I suspect uh, more landlords will go to Wilverforce Chambers, and I suspect more tenants will go to Navy. But uh, that wasn't the process, I can I can assure you. I mean, I, I, I feel very strongly about this because I feel strongly about upward rent reviews. I mm. feel strongly about hypotheses of how long the lease has got to go on the rent review. And I... As a planner, as put, that's my basic speciality, I feel very strongly that the user clause ought to reflect what the reality of the planning is and not some open A1, which in Westminster, Kensington and Chelsea, you never get open A1 on its own. It's all dreadfully conditioned and section 106. And by the time you've added it all together, one's dealing with an artificial situation and my view is if you remove the artificiality and you put some reality into it, in the end, the landlords and tenants will see a consensus together. And that that's what we want. It's uh, the, the, the West End and the economics of London don't deserve battles going on between a landlord and tenant. They've got enough trouble of their own, if I can put it that way. Certainly not when they they can take so many years to resolve. I mean, and and Joanne, do you have anything to add on that front? Well, from the perspective of of a litigator and an advocate, I think one of the things that has become particularly problematic as a consequence of the pandemic has just been the lack of available evidence. Mm. Um, These decisions about rental values are, are being decided by the courts in a vacuum. Uh, there, there are just so few comparables around for people to draw on. And that makes it very difficult for the parties actually to come to a consensus because they're working in the dark, just as the court is often working in the dark. And that's, I think, what, what makes litigation more likely and, and more contentious. 
And that's, that's uh, one I could also say that behind virtually every landlord, there's a bank or a financial <laughs> institution. And so, uh, and behind every tenant, there's a bank and a financial institution. So it isn't just a landlord and tenant scenario. It's, it's, it's the whole shooting match. And so to settle a large claim such as this, never going to be easy, I'm afraid, unless you had compulsory mediation or arbitration, which was binding. And I, I hope that's what they're suggesting. I think it would be a better solution. I mean, I'm a great believer in mediation, even though I spent all my life doing contentious work. <laughs> it just shows you, doesn't it? I, maybe that's old age. I don't know. And this decision, this latest decision, is also, uh, as, as we've touched on, a, a potentially significant one on the, the issue of calculation of interim rent, isn't it? That That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, there were particular unusual features of this case which made the job of the judge in determining the interim rent, I think, much harder. Uh, for a start, he was dealing with the Section 24D jurisdiction, which is very broad and allows him to or, or mandates him to determine the rent, which is as reasonable for the tenant to pay. So there's no steer towards the um, rent, which he's decided on for the new tenancy um, in that context. Uh, but uh, one issue was that the interim rent was payable for an exceptionally long time because of the time that the litigation had taken. Um, Secondly, uh, through a quirk in the expert evidence, the court actually only had expert evidence from one side, namely from the, the tenant's expert witness about the year to year rental value, which is the starting point, if not the finishing point of the interim rent calculation. Um, thirdly, um, the unusual feature was that as we've discussed in the context of the rent review provisions, the passing rent under the current tenancy, which had been set as a review, was artificially inflated by those hypotheses in the rent review um, provision. And, and fourthly, of course, we had this strikingly much lower rent for the new tenancy because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. So the judge had all of these different pieces of information to, to feed into the process. And he he had evidence that the year-to-year -year rental value was 140,000 odd. He looked at the rent for the old tenancy at 220,000, thought, no, that's too high looked at the rent for the new tenancy at 102,000, thought, no, that's too low. And the, the, the kind of Goldilocks figure, which was just right, he decided was 106,000. <laughs> but yes, a complex so, balancing exercise. <laughs> um, and as, as we, we as we know, this case has already been all the way up to the Supreme Court before now. It's a very long um, running uh, dispute between the parties and there are quite significant sums involved. Is, is there any prospect of a, a further appeal on, on this issue? Well, I, I wouldn't have thought so because I think it's factually based and mm. I don't really see that there's any significant point of law um, in order to appeal. But having said that, who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, 
I'm, I'm sure my client, Mr. Francis, is pretty cheesed off with the whole thing, if I can put it that way. <laughs> it, I mean, it's been a long and heavy process. And although he's been very much hands-on, hasn't he, Joe? I mean, he's been, you know, following it through on every detail. So to that extent, I suppose it's added a bit of excitement to his life. And he is a bit of a sort of intellectual as well so he, he, he knows what what it's all about i don't think he fancies another uh, uh, run at it but if there is another run at it i suppose we're we're there to do it aren't we indeed absolutely and um, joanne it seems like uh, the ideal opportunity to 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 reflect uh, on on the two and a half years since Supreme Court decision that uh, you uh, you summed up for us earlier on. Um, what's your sense of the impact that that decision has had on the approach of landlords and tenants to lease renewal opposition um, cases? I think it's had a really major impact uh, in relation to Ground F, also Ground G, the um, own occupation uh, ground, and it's spread indeed into other areas. For example, the test has been adopted in the context of telecoms uh, litigation as well. Um, but certainly I am I am, you know, advising landlords and tenants uh, what they should be doing in light of the Supreme Court decision. It's having a real a real life impact uh, on decision making. And I think what the interesting thing is really it, it has revealed the extent to which landlords previously felt able to put together uh, artificial or useless schemes of work <laughs> um, uh, solely with a view to satisfying ground F and they find mm. that now much more difficult. And the, the, the real proof of this is the lack of F and G cases that have taken place since the Supreme Court decision. There's been very, very few of them, and that's caused by the hurdle being, or the bar being raised very much higher on all these various issues, including getting planning consents, etc. Before, to my mind, as a planner, basically, it looked like a tick in the box exercise, I'm afraid. And, uh, you know, good old Jonathan Sumption came to the same conclusion that uh, we did, that. Uh, it might have been right for 1954 in Rochdale, but it wasn't right for 2020 <laughs> in the West End and Knightsbridge, you know. I mean, it was completely out of context. And the thing that makes this out of context is that when things were good in 2018 and the rent review had taken place in Mount Street, South Alderley Street or Bond Street, they didn't just pass on the existing rent. There were huge key money premiums being paid to get into the site. Now, that meant, in my mind, that the open market value wasn't the open market value at all. It was the open market value plus an enormous premium. And, uh, you know, that, that can't be good for the market either because, of course, it led to um, – multiples going in it led to the spa that we've had here because we've tried to prevent major multiples and major you know of all sorts it was supposed to be a niche area and of course the planning controls don't 
distinguish between one operator and another, whereas the special planning area at least can do so. And so, you know, I'm looking forward, yeah, the, the, the act's out of date, and I'm looking forward to this thing moving forward in my old age, and uh, I can feel the, um, the, uh, the, the engine's going in the right direction, let's put it that way, but um, I'm sure it's a big hill to climb before <laughs> some of those landlords are going to um, accept this on the chin, that's for sure, and uh, I'd be sad, to be honest, and, you know, not just sad from my point of view and from Joe's, that if all this met was just more litigation, I really hope, as with the Supreme Court decision, it's led to less litigation, because it clearly has done, on ground F and ground G. I hope this does as well. It's uh, There has to be more to this world than just the satisfaction of... Um, you know, uh, winning and making money out of it. The, the, there is such a thing as feeling uh, you're doing the right thing. Uh, very much so. And and um, lastly, our practice points and legal notes writer, Alison Colby, heralded this latest decision as having wrapped up a contested lease renewal that made legal history. Uh, having acted extensively in the case, would, would you both agree with that assessment? Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd describe it as making legal history, in all honesty. I think it might be more interesting to be um, as regards market history than legal history. No, I go, go along with that. I, I think the Supreme Court, Joe, did make very much legal history and uh, it broke away from a tradition that uh, should never have been there in the first place, to be perfectly honest with you. And of course, you would know that Ground F and Ground G were on a different premise there uh, and, and that was wrong as well but this is making commercial it's bringing commercial reality into it is a, probably a better way of putting it i think that's joanne being characteristically modest I think that, well that, that's not one of my um, faults i have to tell you <laughs> well thank you both uh, very much for joining me today to discuss the latest decision in s francis i uh, hope you've enjoyed it Absolutely. Thank Thank you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to On the Case from EG.